Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Community Radio. This is bringing light into darkness, news, and analysis. I'm your host, Pedro Gatos, and we are transmitting from Austin, Texas, for your listening edification. Today is Friday, July the 9th, 2021, and we will be rebroadcasting the show on Monday, July the 12th, 2021, from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We want to remind you that this is the 31st anniversary of the Americans with Disability Act, and we here at Co-op Radio are celebrating ADA all month long. Please join us. At koop.org, many of the shows are archived at pedrogatos.org. All comments are welcomed and can be sent to Pedro at pgatos00 at gmail.com. That's pgatos00 at gmail.com. This is our 64th post-COVID show. A new world, but the same place. So stay tuned for a very informed and documented dialogue. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to have a recording of the show up on pedrogatos.org website for your closer scrutiny within the week. Again, thank you for joining us tonight, and thanks for inviting your friends to join us in future shows. So stay tuned. But first, as we do before every Bringing Light into Darkness news and analysis show, in the battle of ideas, let's get ready to go to war. Tonight, we continue our series of shows on Syria and U.S. foreign policy that we began back in 2011 or earlier by featuring a war veteran and former state senator from Virginia who is a conservative Republican but who has had the opportunity to visit Syria on more than one occasion and actually sit down with President Assad to visit. And he brings a much different perspective than the dominant narrative that we get bombarded with by our mainstream media. Enjoy. Good evening, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP, Hornsby, Austin. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis. I am your host, Pedro Gatos, and tonight, Friday, July the 9th, we are pre-recording a show to be aired on Monday, July the 12th, 2021. Last week, our focus was on Syria, and this week, we continue that focus as we continue to build our archive of Bringing Light into Darkness shows on Syria. So I was reading an interesting article by Scott Ritter, who, within that article, linked to a rather impressive website that seeks to separate the politics out from the factual data available on different subjects of interest. It's called rootclaim.org. And as recently as last month, they updated their final analysis on who was responsible for the sarin gas attacks back in August 21st of 2013. If you've been following Bringing Light into Darkness since we began broadcasting on co-op radio, you will find in our archives that we called out John Kerry, Secretary of State at the time, and the Obama administration's big lie that we called out immediately following John Kerry's September 3rd, 2013 testimony to Congress, in which he claimed with absolute certainty it was the Assad government that was responsible for the horrific August 21st, 2013 gas attacks that took us to the brink of war. It was just one of the half dozen or so misrepresentations John Kerry presented to Congress and defended in his congressional testimony. We have dedicated whole shows on all of the half dozen or so misrepresentations 
that he made. And if you contact us, we can provide you links to that supporting data and that show. But tonight, we wanted to start off our show on Syria with the big lie that we caught out immediately following Kerry's testimony due to the lack of evidence that he failed to provide and the abundance of circumstantial evidence suggesting that it was the opposition jihadists that were responsible rather than the Assad government for the gas attacks. How can he have been absolutely certain yet not provide evidence supporting that certainty? It turns out, according to rootclaim.org, which lays out the available evidence on both sides of the question, that with near absolute certainty, 96.4%, it was the U.S. allies within the opposition to the Assad government that were most likely the responsible party. Reading from the rootclaim.org document of June 18th, 2021, quote, since its founding, Rootclaim has tried to bring clarity to areas of uncertainty surrounding world events. Today, we are one step closer to that goal with new discoveries that effectively resolve the major controversy of who was behind the 2013 chemical attack near Damascus. Responsibility for the 2013 chemical attack has been a hotly contested, politically divisive issue with a wide consensus in the West that the Syrian government was to blame, while Syria and its allies claimed that it was a false flag opposition attack intended to bring about U.S. intervention. Root claims 2017 analysis went against this Western consensus, calculating an 87% likelihood that the Syrian opposition carried out the attack. Following the discoveries discussed in this article, this has now been updated to 96%, one of our most certain conclusions. The rootclaim.com June 18th, 21st article, New Evidence Resolves the Controversy Surrounding the 2013 Syria Syrian Attack, goes on, quote, The new findings are a result of what we believe to be the most impressive independent open source investigation in history. It was initiated nearly a year ago by several volunteers who reviewed all the evidence from the attack and managed to uncover incontrovertible evidence implicating an opposition faction confirming Root Claim's conclusion, end quote. Or you can go to the rootclaim.com website to review the incontrovertible evidence yourself, which includes their video evidence they authenticated on June 21st, 2021, which shows the terrorist rebels firing the sarin-filled rockets on the day in question. This new analysis of the Gotha attack reinforces the findings of Dr. Richard Lloyd and a regular guest and contributor to Bringing Light into Darkness, Dr. Theodore Postel, and resulted in the assignment of the 96% probability that the sarin gas attack of August 21st, 2013 was carried out by anti-Assad terrorists. According to Rootclaim.com, which compiled all available evidence from both sides of the question regarding who was responsible for the gas attack, they determined that it was not the Assad government, but rather this 96.4% probability that it was the opposition terrorist forces that we had been supporting. Quote, opposition forces in Syria, Liwa al-Islam, L-I-W-A al-Islam, carried out the chemical attack with a 96.4% probability. So who was this Liwa al-Islam? Same source reported that identifies them as a Salafi jihadi group founded in 
late 2011. In late September 2013, Liwai al-Islam and groups affiliated with it formed part of the Jaish al-Islam faction, which was the most powerful opposition group, terrorist group in the Damascus Gotha region. It should be very alarming to all Americans that John Kerry promoted with absolute certainty a claim that he did not support with evidence, and our mainstream media never demanded the evidence, and instead endorsed and promoted the unsubstantiated claims that the Assad government was responsible for the Assaran gas attack. And as a result, the majority population of the United States believes this false narrative. Another major misrepresentation that we called out at the same time was the claim that there was a moderate opposition leading the military fight against Assad, rather than tens of thousands of foreign terrorists pouring in from all over the world through Turkey and other pathways, enabled by U.S. foreign policy, our tax dollars, on behalf of the U.S. West fight against Assad. One of the most outspoken, credible, and independent voices was Republican Richard Black. A January 2nd, 2019 Washington Post article described State Senator Richard H. Black, Republican, as a staunch, conservative, and decorated Vietnam veteran who drew international attention for twice visiting Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. Assad received Black in the Syrian capital, Damascus, in April of 2016 and September of 2018. The Syrian leader has been accused of war crimes for his forces' assaults on civilians, including with chemical weapons in the country's brutal civil war, the Washington Post continues. Black regards Assad as a protector of Syrian Christians and a buffer against Islamic extremism. He has suggested that the chemical weapons attacks were either staged or perpetuated by Turkey and al-Qaeda with the aim of triggering a U.S. strike on Syria, the Washington Post continues. Richard Black, he was born in 1944. He's an American politician, a Republican. He served as a member of the Virginia State Senate, representing the 13th District from 2012 to 2020. Black was previously a member of the Virginia House of Delegates from 1998 to 2006. Black announced that he would not seek re-election in 2019, instead retiring at the end of his term. Richard Black was a career military officer. He served in both the U.S. Marines and in the U.S. Army JAG Corps. He served a total of 31 years active in reserve, rising from the rank of private to full colonel. He is a graduate of United States Army War College, Command and General Staff College, and Naval Aviators Flight School. After the war, he left the service, earned a law degree, returning to military service as a prosecutor with the U.S. Army Judge Advocate General's Corps. Black later headed the Army's Criminal Law Division at the Pentagon before retiring from the military in 1994. Now, we have come across and presented Senator Black's critique of the U.S. Syrian foreign policy and the misrepresentation of the reality on the ground by the United States mainstream press in the past. We have tried to reach out to Senator Black, but have not received a reply. His critique is consistent with what we at Bringing Light into Darkness have researched independently on our own well before coming across Senator Black's position on Syria. Just a few months ago, on March 21st, 2021, the former Virginia State Senator Richard Black gave a speech at the Schiller Institute and stressed that the United States is implicated 
in helping and empowering terrorist organizations in Syria. But the indictment of U.S. foreign policy and the overwhelming misrepresentations to the American public of the Syrian crisis goes much deeper than that. As a former congressman with an exceptional military past, his multiple visits to Syria and visits with President Assad and legal expert, his 18-minute presentation shatters the dominant narrative about Syria and U.S. foreign policies and intervention therein. So tonight, we will let you hear his speech, interrupting it from time to time to insert additional information we think is relevant to the understanding of the situation on the ground in Syria in our quest to bring you the truth on the matters at hand. What follows is a wide-ranging critique by Richard Black of the U.S. propaganda regarding Syria, its leader, and the war since 2011 that has raged in Syria. His comments here, his speech, if you will, was delivered on March 21st, 2021, as the former Virginia State Senator Richard Black gave a speech at the Schiller Institute. Uh, I'm Senator Dick Black, and I'm a retired colonel who served in uniform for 32 years. I love my country. I flew 269 combat missions in Vietnam as a Marine helicopter pilot, and uh, crash landed once after machine gun fire cut my flight controls. Afterwards, I made 70 combat patrols as a ground uh, air controller for the 1st Marine Division. I was in intense, fierce combat during almost the entire time, and I was wounded. My radio men were both killed beside me. So with that background, let me say that I'm appalled by the indecency of American aggression towards Syria. Just the other day, Secretary of State Tony Blinken chastised his Chinese guests in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, by saying that he that they failed to respect the rules-based order, without which there would be much more violence in the world. I interrupt Senator Richard Black's words here because he presents and takes offense at Secretary of State Blinken's words, rules-based order. Richard Black refers to Secretary Blinken chastising China in that they, quote, failed to respect the rules-based order. But what is the rules-based order that we are always touting? In a New York Times article by Peter Beinart on 622 of 21, it was entitled The Vacuous Phrase at the Core of the Biden's Foreign Policy. The author indicates the term is close to the term international law, but is different. In fact, he writes that rules-based order is a decoy. It's a way of sidestepping the question, why isn't America defending international law? It also refers to Blinken's use of the term rules-based, the ubiquitous use of the term rules-based order throughout the Biden administration. The term rules-based order appears twice in Biden's joint statement with Prime Minister Boris Johnson of Britain. It appears four times each in the communiques the United States issued with the governments of the Group of Seven and the European Union and six more times in the manifesto produced by NATO. The author, Peter Beinart, the New York Times author of this June 22, 2021 article, The Vacuous Phrase at the Core of Biden's Foreign Policy, he continues, he goes, since the rules-based order is never adequately defined, 
America's claim to uphold it can never be disproved, end quote. So therein lies the genius of the term rules-based order. It's a form of plausible deniability. It's total freedom from accountability and therefore innately deceitful. The author continues, there is, however, a related phrase with a much clearer meaning, and that is international law. For decades, diplomats and scholars around the world have used it to encompass the written and unwritten rules that govern the behavior of nations. And it is precisely because international law is so much better defined that Biden officials, when speaking solely for the United States, use it far less, end quote. So as we return to Richard Black's words, you'll see he equates a rules-based order with international law. And he basically will indicate that we are essentially a lawless country in that it seems like the rules of the world or whatever the United States decides it wants to be at any given moment. So we return to Richard Black's speech after he's already indicated that he's appalled at the indecency of U.S. aggression towards Syria. He'll explain why. But what is the the rules-based order that we're always touting? Seems that the rules are whatever the United States decides it wants at a given moment. By what right do we seize other nations' ships on the high seas? Now, the rule says that doing so is an act of war. We're not at war. So the rules go on to say that if you're not at war, then seizures of ships on the high seas are acts of piracy. Are these not acts of piracy when we seize these ships? What rules allow us to establish naval blockades on Syria, Iran, and Venezuela? Are those not acts of war? What rules-based order says that we can punish Germany for connecting a gas pipeline to Russia? What rules in this rules-based order allow us to dictate the trade of sovereign nations. So as of this year, 2021, according to sanctionskill.org, the United States is currently sanctioning 39 countries representing one-third of the global population. Think about that, one-third of the global population. These are overwhelmingly unilateral sanctions or coercive measures that have been unilaterally applied by the United States to third countries. Richard Black asks, you know, what right do we have to tell countries who they can trade with and who they cannot? But we do. A third of those countries are African nations. The majority of of sanctioned countries are predominantly non-white and are in the global south. In addition to the countries, over 6,300 people are on the Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets sanctioned list. To get the sanctions lifted, countries must agree with the United States' demands related to austerity measures, political processes like elections, and other economic and political concessions. This is what makes the sanctions actually unilateral and coercive economic measures which are illegal. While the United States government says that sanctions exempt necessities such as food and medicine and often claims the sanctions impact government or other officials, The reality is that it is a civilian population, especially women, children, the elderly, and those who have health conditions who are impacted the most. If you recall, we have cited UNICEF statistics that the economic sanctions imposed on Iraq in the 1990s killed at least 576,000 
Iraqi children due to malnutrition and medical shortages that were caused by the sanctions. As Richard Black indicated earlier, that rules-based order are rules or whatever the United States decides it wants at any given moment, rather than abiding by international law. While we were assured by our government officials, both Republican and Democrat, and our mass media, that our intervention in Iraq was legal based on self-defense and weapons of mass destruction, etc., the United Nations Secretary General Kofi Annan declared in September of 2004 that the invasion was not sanctioned by the UN Security Council or in accordance with the UN's founding charter. In an interview with BBC World Service broadcast, he was asked outright if the war was illegal. He replied, yes. He then added unequivocally, I have indicated it was not in conformity with the UN Charter. From our point of view and from the Charter point of view, it was illegal, end quote. A subsequent March 29, 2021 UNICEF report, the executive director of UNICEF, Henrietta Four. In her remarks at the Security Council briefing on the humanitarian situation in Syria, indicated that this year marks the 10th anniversary of the Syrian crisis. Homes, hospitals, schools, and water systems are destroyed. An economic crisis, the worst in Syria's history, has plunged 90% of the population into poverty. Across Syria, nearly 90% of the children now require humanitarian assistance. The March 29th 2021 UNICEF Executive Director Henrietta Four remarks at the Security Council briefing on the humanitarian situation in Syria continue with, quote, attacks are decimating vital support systems. In 2019 alone, 46 attacks were recorded on water facilities, disrupting water access for families in desperate need. The constant disruption of the Aluk water station in Hasake, which serves nearly half a million people, is forcing civilians to rely on unsafe water, exposing them to deadly waterborne diseases. A deepening economic crisis is placing adequate nutrition out of the reach for millions of families. Last year saw the highest number of food insecure people in the country's history. While the world watches half a million stunted children across Syria are being robbed of their full potential from a very early age. More than half a million children under the age of five in Syria suffer from stunting as a result of chronic malnutrition, end quote. Richard Black will come back to the issue of sanctions, but for now, just know that sanctions kill, kill civilians and the most vulnerable and are illegal unless formally endorsed by the UN Security Council. We return to former Virginia State Senator Richard Black's June 21st words. The American march of conquest spans the globe. We've invaded sovereign nations like Serbia, Yemen, and Syria, leaving them all in smoldering ruins. Does the rules-based order not prohibit wars of aggression? Did we not prosecute Nazis at Nuremberg for just such actions? What rules make wars of aggression crimes for Nazis, but not for us? We're told that we're fighting a war on terror, but we're not. We're closely allied with terrorists like Al-Qaeda in an endless quest to destroy Arab civilizations throughout the Middle East. Few Americans can even name all of our wars. Serbia, Iraq, Libya, Syria, Yemen, Somalia, Ukraine, 
None of them attacked us. We attacked all of them. Just look at the case of Syria. Remember what Syria once was? Before the war, Syria had a nicely balanced economy. It produced most of its own industrial goods, produced its fuel and agricultural products, had very little poverty and enjoyed thriving trade, and it was financially responsible. It had enjoyed 40 years of peace with Israel and the constitution drafted under President Assad guarantees equal rights for women and importantly, it guarantees religious freedom in three different parts of the text. I read it. Syria is a model for other Arab states, especially ones like Saudi Arabia, which have no constitution at all. We call Syria's president a dictator. But in 2014, he was overwhelmingly elected by the people of Syria in a fair and free election. It was very heavily monitored. There were lots of observers all agreed that it had been a, a true and valid election. So Syria is, is a model of elective democracy, if you want to call it that, uh, for, the, for the Arab world. In fact, in addition to the 2014 election that Senator Black refers to, more recently, on May 26, 2021, President Assad was reelected with a huge turnout of 78% of Syrians. So Syria is a model of democracy in an Arab world that is peppered with monarchies, countries without constitutions. Meanwhile, polling, multiple polls that we referred to in previous programs in Syria concerning Assad indicate his popularity and the overwhelming opinion of the Syrian people that the United States is involved, deeply involved, with the presence of the terrorist military opposition forces and the clear preference of the Syrian people to be led by Assad rather than succumb to the terrorist U.S.-backed jihadist groups and what that might bring. But before we return to Senator Richard Black's words in his speech of June 21st, 2021, we need to take a quick break for the cause. This is Bringing Light into Darkness Monday News and Analysis. This is the premier community radio station of the nation, 91.7 KOOP Hornsby, Austin. And we will be back right after this brief pause for the cause. Don't touch that dial. 